and welcome back to Map the Maze. Continuing, week two of Map the Maze Goes to the Movies is possibly, I think, my favourite depiction of how someone can see the opportunity post-separation and divorce to reclaim their lives, to reignite the passions that maybe they put to one side, um, to find a way forward in which they can really thrive. It is a funny movie. So if you know Melissa McCarthy, if you're a fan, you may have seen this movie already. If you haven't, and you're looking for a an uplifting uh, post-separation divorce movie, I think this might be it. Um, so in the movie, she has been in a relationship for a long time. She had uh, given up on her professional aspirations, on her education. She sort of leaves college before she completes her degree and has a beautiful daughter and decides in the sort of heat of the moment, I think, to go back to college. And hilarity ensues. Uh, so if you are remotely interested in the music of the 80s as a way to reclaim power, um, this is a movie for you. I would say that the family mediation scene is possibly the worst depiction of mediation that I have ever seen on, on a screen. There are so many ways in which this mediation is an epic fail, epic. Um, so if you are looking at this and thinking, oh my God, is that what family mediation is like? Please rest assured, it is not. And in fact, there are many ways in which this is not even, I mean, it's not a mediation. So on a very basic level, the first responsibility of the mediator is what we call convening, actually putting together, arranging the mediation, whether that's scheduling, to make sure that you're going to be in the room when the parties are in the room. So this mediator doesn't appear for about two minutes. Um, figuring out who's going to be in the room. So in this example, the husband brings his new partner, the wife brings her best friend, obviously highly partisan tribe members. That's their job. That's fine. But it's not appropriate for them to be there. And additionally, there isn't consent. So it becomes quite apparent that the mediator hasn't actually convened the mediation so much as booked a room. Uh, and told people where it is, but not actually bothered to figure out who's going to be in the room, who's coming, who has consent to be there. So in a real mediation, third parties are not able to attend mediation unless both parties and the mediator consent. So if you are thinking, I would like to bring a support person, and I have seen people bring a friend, bring a parent, um, bring a counsellor, bring some kind of mental health professional, then check with the mediator, let the mediator know that you'd like to bring somebody and make sure that they can get consent from the other party. So if the other party consents, fine, they can attend. And generally the mediator will also want to either have them sign the mediation agreement or at least a confidentiality provision, or they'll explain, this process is confidential, you are here as a guest, so therefore I need you to comply with any ground rules. And I know certainly when I have third parties attend, that they're not to speak unless they're spoken to. So they're sort of Victorian children um, because the reality is this mediation is about the parties. It can be a little bit different if there are professionals. So for example, if people want to bring lawyers, solicitors, even barristers, um, then they may have more um, substantive information to share or advice that they want to, to explain. Um, but again, I would say that the process is for the parties. And so the communication needs to be primarily between the parties as opposed to having lawyers advocate uh, during the mediation session. 
lawyers can advocate in court, that's their job. Um, but at mediation, advocacy is a very ineffective tool for negotiation. So first thing I would say is she's not in the room, no consent around third parties, no discussion around who should be in the room, who's constructive to have in the room. And then she does a very strange, I guess, kind of ground rules speech. There's no welcoming people into the room. There's no saying, look, this is this is what today means. This is an opportunity for you guys to find a solution uh, to move ahead with this separation. None of that. She just launches straight into, you will not do this. You will. It's very, from my perspective, dictatorial. Um, and she also says, you will direct all comments to me, which is interesting. So I guess sometimes in mediation, we say that, and often it's at the very beginning. So when we're working with parties to create an agenda, I will say to parties, just tell me from your perspective, what are the questions that need to be resolved? And that's deliberate. That's because I want them to just focus on giving me the information, not focus on all of the um, emotional content around that, but just tell me what it is that they need to get resolved. And that's the same for both parties. The other reason we do that at the beginning is also that once someone has said, well, these are the issues, these are the five issues I think are important, I then want the other person to tell me what are the issues they think are important without necessarily starting, some people do, to respond to what the other person has said. I want them just to tell me from their perspective, what are the issues? And so again, I'll just say, it, rather than respond to what party A has said, please just tell me from your perspective, what are the issues that you think we need to talk about? And that's also a way of making sure that we get everything on the table. We don't get distracted um, by having a conversation about something substantive before we even have the agenda. Because until the agenda's on the board, we don't yet know what the roadmap for the mediation is going to look like and really important. I mean, I think that's the other thing that really disturbs me about this mediation is there's no whiteboard, there's nothing. I don't, I don't really understand where she's supposed to put the agenda because there is nothing behind her. Um, so it's a really, from my perspective, bizarre setup. But anyway, um, so, but she says, just speak to me, which as you can see at the end of the mediation session leads to some pretty ridiculous um, insults because they're trying to insult each other, but actually they're just looking at the mediator and pointing at her. Um, so not a good mediation. I mean, in fact, it breaks down within a minute because there's been this very, very negative and toxic atmosphere that the mediator is allowed to exist before she even gets there, which is just unnecessary. I mean, I, I don't know why you would do that. But anyway, she doesn't bother coming in. Um, she doesn't bother getting consent for third parties. She doesn't bother actually setting up, changing the atmosphere in the room, modeling some behavior around how do we communicate constructively and respectfully? How do we say things in a way that is appropriate given that we're trying to sort things out, we're trying to reach settlement. She doesn't, doesn't, doesn't bother doing any of that. Um, and as a result, unsurprisingly, uh, the mediation breaks down. I mean, in fact, I guess it's a good training video for how not to mediate. Um, but if you were watching this thinking, yikes, do I have to do that? That is not what we do in family. I've never seen a family mediator or spoken to a family mediator who would even think this was appropriate. Um, so I guess what I would say is for the empowerment that I think Melissa McCarthy's character experiences um, as she sort of transitions from the separation into her new life. I think that's an amazing story. And that really is a positive. 
there are some concerns I have about how she handles that transition. So one thing that we would definitely as a family mediator say is don't involve children in your conflict. And she does. She kind of, I think, treats her daughter, who is a college student. So she's a young adult, but she's still a child of both parents and is still entitled to be able to have relationships with both her mum and her dad without feeling constrained or awkward or without inserting herself into the conflict. And that unfortunately does happen in a really dramatic way. So I would also say that there is a, I guess, revenge fantasy scene, which I think not great. Um, and I think in the aftermath, even Melissa McCarthy's character realizes this has been a big mistake, that actually this was not a positive thing for her daughter or for herself, let alone for the ex-husband. Um, so I think all in all, fun movie, definitely. Uh, great movie for the empowerment. And she definitely comes into her own and starts thriving in many ways. Um, but she definitely finds a new path, which I think is really exciting because when we meet her character at the very beginning of the movie, it seems like she's very settled. It's very um, set in stone what she's going to be like. And then actually through the course of the movie, she really starts thriving uh, in unexpected ways, but they're all very entertaining. Um, but definitely the mediation, dreadful. I think only to be challenged by the TV show I'm going to talk about in the last episode of this month. Um, but I don't know, for mediation accuracy, I'm going to give it a zero out of 10. It's really bad. Um, yeah, zero out of 10 for the mediation. Wedding Crashes, I'm going to say three out of 10. So, so far, Wedding Crashes mediation, totally winning. Let's see what happens next week. So take care. And I'll see you next week with another Map the Maze Goes to the Movies. Mm -hmm.